Hello again. Now, so much COVID is about. It's easy to become complacent, and really, it's not time yet to drop our guard. We're all just getting on with our twin tasks of trying to offer vaccination to as many in the various risk groups as possible, as well as plough through all those who should be having a flu jab, as well as do our day jobs. Some surgeries are offering COVID vaccinations, of course. Others are via the hub system. The distance between those vaccinated and those who have not yet been pinned can be huge in terms of hospitalisation rates and severe illness potential from COVID disease. Many recent cases have had their two jabs and they've been really quite unwell, some of them, with a really nasty COVID bout, almost flu-like in symptoms. But most have been able to remain at home in isolation and recovering. Maybe washed out and very tired, but otherwise on the mend. I can't think of a more sobering thought than vulnerable groups not being able to, or even worse, unwilling to be covered by vaccination for various reasons. However, we do all have our own counsel on this issue. And if not, keen, well, okay, fine. It's a democracy after all, last time I looked anyway. From when vaccination's birth was by the famous cowpox inoculation back in the... uh, mid-1700s, English surgeon Edward Jenner, scratching the liquid from a cowpox blister produced from the hands of a local cowmaid, <laughs> a milkmaid, who was obviously prone to catching cowpox, but noted to be relatively immune to smallpox as a breed, so onto both arms of the eight-year-old son of the Jenner's gardener. Not very PC, really, when you think about it. The boy becoming slightly unwell, but later on repeated contact with smallpox, didn't catch it, or if he did, it was very mild. Vaccination was born. Smallpox being a virus that took vast numbers of lives throughout the world at that time. Indeed, after having my smallpox jab on arrival at university and medical school, this virus is now officially extinct. Unless some deeply secret viral laboratory in some distant part of the world knows different, and they probably do. Move centuries further into the era of the MMR, measles, mumps, rubella, German measles. I've had the luxury of not being jabbed if you don't want to be. However, consider this. Since all these, at the time, worrying jabs for parents, we're involving ourselves in with our children, versus all manner of thets, have become routine. How much meningitis, pneumonia, measles, whooping cough, tetanus, diphtheria and the like do we regularly now see in children? Exactly. It's massively reduced. However, these diseases remain, as will COVID, but we are learning more about how we can learn to live with this variation, this variation of a particular virus, every day. Some things, though, are almost an apple-a-day territory in the GP surgery. I've seen a few adults this last couple of weeks who are taking low-dose aspirin over-the-counter, just purchasing it. Why? Well, because it protects me from having a heart attack or a stroke or bowel cancer. That's what they say. Well, yes and no. Medically, we use calculations like NNT or NNH. Numbers needed to treat or numbers needed to harm to throw some light on all these items extracted from numerous research data. Take, for example, aspirin. The data is clear. 
Impact prevention, say a heart attack. Approximately 265 people need to take this every day for five years to prevent one episode of a fatal or non-fatal heart attack or stroke. However, the number <laughs> needed to harm is similar at about 210 over five years. In other words, if 210 people are taking lotus aspirin every day for five years, it'll produce one significant bleed, either gut or brain, fatal or non-fatal. Statistically, there is really no benefit in this group of people. However, all those now taking aspirin after having a heart issue, post-surgery or similar, stroke and all the rest of it, relax. The figures are much more on the side of benefit. Numbers needed to treat, like 1 in 60 approx. Numbers needed to harm, over 3,000. Very reassuring, thankfully. It's all based on computer modelling, hard data from population studies, and extensive following up of thousands upon thousands of patients. But if you care to browse the internet, you will quickly bump into every Covid denier and every quasi-flat earther, all brimming with rather different sets of beliefs. It's nice to have a choice, I suppose, but <laughs> some choice. It's the result of a modern-day health system that we're all still walking around, allowing most of us to have this luxury. Let's not forget the sacrifice, ingenuity, perseverance of public good spirit of all those souls long demise now who have in part all added to our present-day wealth of knowledge. Makes it up and think, or has done with me sometimes, and if it's done for you, so much the better. Till next week, cheerio.